2: It's Rick Tittle!
3: Alrighty then, thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports. I'm your humble host, Rick Tittle, coming to you from the downtown San Francisco studios of the Sports Byline USA Broadcast Network. Great to have you with us, wherever you are listening in this great land of ours or so so foreign lands. We are here for you, and I bring that up because we are on the worldwide web, worldwide. Here's the website, w well, first, HTTP colon backslash. backslash. Now we're at sportsbyline.com. Come on in and get heard wherever you might happen to be listening all around the world. All around the world. Come on in, 1-800-878-PLAY. It is a Friday, so that means in the first hour, we like to uh, uh, check in. With our good friend, Jan Wall, the film critic extraordinaire. We have some entertainment guests. We will have a composer slash lyricist. Yes, it is me. We'll also have veteran actor Barry Corbin. I'd piss on a spark plug if I thought it could help. He's been on the show before. That's his famous line from War Games. Hugh Pearson from the Blue Whales 3D IMAX Blue Whale Group in Vegas. Comedian Trey Galen, he's at Cap Cities in Austin. Actress Anna Shields will be here holding the shield for her new uh, first film, uh, sorry, her film First Contact. HDTV's Paige Turner, of course, that's what you always want a book to be. She'll join us here for Fix My Flip. That's not racist, Daily City. Also, uh, pro wagering guest and comedian Jessica Seeley will be in studio. i have to ask her if she's related to Aaron Seeley. Spells the name the same way. How will we get it all in? I don't know. Big fan of our troops listening on American Forces Network. Stay safe. Come home soon. We're proud of you. Keep up the good work wherever you are. Also, the internet byline.com. The Twitter is at Rick Tittle. Come on back, y'all.
4: Do you have an invention idea but don't know what to do next? We've been helping inventors since 1984. Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308. That's
5: 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308.
6: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? Quick Cash Offer can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately.
1: 800-788-1495, 800-788-1495, 800-788-1495, 800-788-1495, that's 800-788-1495. and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM, plus we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tiller. with you, coast to coast. And uh, just like yesterday, all three hours, I will have a guest every segment scheduled to appear. It is a Friday. We do know in our first hour, we love to be joined by our good friend, Jan Wall. She is the Hollywood insider and the great Northern California film critic as well. Jan, how you doing?
8: I'm doing terrific. Thanks, Rick.
3: Good. Let's bring in our first guest. It is composer-lyricist Jorge Rivera-Arens for his new musical entitled My Heart. And uh, Jorge, welcome to the uh, show. I know that uh, you just graduated a a couple years ago from uh, Notre Dame, but you're originally from uh, Puerto Rico. I I would think you'd need to be like a a grizzled vet to write a musical, but you're like, screw it, I'm doing it now, huh?
9: (laughs) Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. It's such an honor to be here and to meet you guys. Uh, yeah, my heart says, "Go." That was my first musical I'd ever written. Um, I grew up in uh, near the, Puerto Rico. A lot of my life was really spent um, actually studying to pursue a life in medicine. And then when I, when I eventually got to the University of Notre Dame, I realized that my passion was actually in musical theater writing. And so without kind of telling my parents back home in Puerto Rico, I sort of totally switched majors. I switched into theater. And uh, that's sort of the origin story for how I started writing uh, My Hearts as Go.
8: What was it that what was it that inspired you, Jorge? What inspired you to do that? What did you see or hear that turned you on to musical theater? Honestly, it just I was having so much
9: fun. So on the side I would do some like I would either uh, I would perform in musicals or I just found myself always thinking about that. It got to the point where in my chemistry class, my notebook, rather than being filled with chemical equations, was actually just filled with lyrics instead. Uh-huh. Um, I would go to sleep and wake up thinking about, like, oh, I wish I could write a song about this. And uh, uh-huh. eventually, yeah, I just I made the switch. And, you know, at first, my parents, uh, they were a little reluctant about it, to say the least. But thankfully, you know, we've grown so much closer after it.
3: The other thing is, too, a lot of people write these because they're labors of love, but they're also, it is a business, and uh, the thing you want to do about this is you would like high schools and local community theaters to do this and not break their banks, right?
10: Yeah,
9: totally. So one of the major driving forces behind the show is accessibility, and Matt Hawkins, who's one of the co-writers, has totally led this. Um, and It's really cool. It's essentially the, one of the goals is to make the show super accessible for all uh, for, like, any community, for any high school, for any college to be able to do the show. Uh, we understand that not everybody is able to just book a flight to, to New York, for example, and see a Broadway show. And so what's really cool is that anybody can listen to the songs because, you know, the the studio cast recording is already online, and anybody can acquire the rights. Uh, my understanding is that the My Heart Says Go team directly licenses it to those communities and to those um, schools and colleges for a very, very affordable price. So the hope is to see tons of schools and communities performing this all over.
3: I think about Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webber, you know, he would write the music and then he would have a lyricist for you. By the way, this is available from Broadway Records, but for you, music and lyrics, I mean, that's just, it's it's your baby.
9: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, the, the music and lyrics, you know, so being my first time writing a musical, I was 100% inspired by, uh, by Hamilton, by Manuel Miranda, and by Patrick and Paul's writing and Dear Evan Hansen. And so I really leaned into that at the time. And, and yeah, it's got a lot of fun songs. There's some rapping in there. There are some slower ballads. Uh, I think there's a fun variety of different kinds of pop music in there. And the people who are in the cast recording, oh my gosh, they're all so talented. There's Ruben J. Carvajal and Javier Munoz, who are both from Hamilton. Uh, there's Jesse Mueller from Waitress. There are other amazing voices like Erica Ito, Aurelia Williams. It's, I'm really happy with how it came out, and it was an honor to get to work with all of them.
8: So did you have a book of the musical uh, when you started, or did you write the book as well, the script? Yeah,
9: so the script now is, uh, is written by Matt Hawkins, and he sort of guided me through the process. When, we, when I was first working on the project. It's funny, the way I actually, the way we actually got into the project together was, so I was attending his class and, cause he, he was teaching about musical theater at Notre Dame. And one of our assignments was to sing a song from any musical, right? And I purposefully joined the class because I wanted to learn more about writing musical theater. And so for that assignment, which was to sing a song from any musical, I showed up next class with a song from but from that, from Myers' Go, which I had a different title at the time. Mm. Um, and it was really cool. We talked about it, and, you know, he guided me through the process, and eventually he was able to, uh, we were able to put a production up at the University of Notre Dame, uh, continue developing it until it's become the show that it is now.
3: Let's talk about the protagonist, Indigo, in medical school, drops out, wants to be a singer-songwriter, accompanied by his new friend, Clara. What's this about?
9: <laughs> yeah. So the main character Indigo may or may not be loosely inspired by myself, uh, and by may or may not I mean totally, you know, uh, because uh, yeah. In, in in terms of like the main character leaving a pursuit of medicine in order to pursue the arts, and Indigo, well, the story is really about following your heart and never giving up on those you love. So Indigo drops out of med school in order to follow his dreams of becoming a singer. And in the process, he this sort of creates a rift between himself and his father because his father wants him to stay in a career that has financial stability. So the show really explores like, the lengths that uh, someone might go to follow their dreams and the repercussions and the challenges that come with that. And it really explores, for the parents, um, the meaning of never really giving up on those that you love. You know, I, I think what's really fun about the show is that uh, the character arcs not only apply to the characters of Indigo, And his friend Clara, who is undergoing a similar arc, but also to the parents, um, who to some degree, especially the Indigo's father, who learns to kind of accept his son and to learn to support them when he falls.
3: You know, you mentioned uh, Javier Munoz. This is a guy who, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda really relied on for In the Heights. He played De La Vega. He was was Hamilton for a couple years. What's it like when you're working with such accomplished stage actors? (laughs)
9: <laughs> oh my gosh, I I will say, when they first walked into the room, I, I like froze, I was geeking out, they're so, so nice, All everybody, Javier Munoz, Jesse Mueller, and it's such an honor to see people really nailing their craft, because they come in, they're super professional, and they just, the first time they sing it, everybody in the room, like their jaws dropped, because they, they the way they tackle it, it's so masterful, and... uh And yeah, it's really cool to see how they can bring their own uh, pieces to the interpretation. And it was such a great experience. I couldn't be any happier with it.
3: Well, I want to remind uh, everybody that My Heart Says Go, starring Javier Munoz and Jesse Mueller, is available from Broadway Records. Anywhere else online we should be going, Jorge?
9: Yeah, I mean, I, I totally recommend checking it out on all the streaming platforms, like Spotify. Um, Amazon Music, everything and if you're, sh- if you're a theater or a community or a school that is looking to, to perform some show this season, I think it's worth looking into um, to look uh, up for maybe a part the performance rights for My Heart Says Go
3: excellent stuff from Jorge Rivera Heron's My Heart Says Go written and uh, he did the music, he did the lyrics, he did it all for My Heart Says Go. Jorge, congratulations and thanks for coming on.
8: Congratulations. How great to turn young people on to musical theater too.
9: (laughs) Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I'm thankful to be part of the
3: team. All right. uh, Thanks a lot. And uh, Jan on the other side, he's been on before. It's been a while, but how about Barry Corbin?
8: I'm thrilled. His T V show, Northern Exposure, is probably truly my all time favorite television series.
3: Wow. All right, we will do I that love next. Northern Exposure. Great. Oh. Jan Wall will join me with Barry Corbin. Come on back.
11: Awesome.
0: Pricing information,
1: 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, that's 800-915-9654.
12: I don't even recognize myself anymore.
13: I'm really worried about him, his addiction. I haven't seen him like this, ever. Ever.
14: move your things the right way call colonial van lines now for a free quote
1: call now to learn more about this special 250 dollars long distance move discount 800-847-0225 800-847-0225 800-847-0225 that's 800-847-0225
0: i'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic maybe i could be a food critic these muffins taste bad or an art critic, that painting is bad.
13: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: <laughs> All right, thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle and Jan Wall with you, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's great to welcome back to the show veteran actor Barry Corbin. He's here to talk about uh, his new show that he's traveling around with. It's called An Evening with Barry Corbin. You can find out more at Corbin. And, uh, Barry, i got to get it out of the way right at the top. How many times a day does somebody walk up to you and say, I'd piss on a spark plug if I thought it would help?
11: Well, that comes up once in a while. Most of the time people come up. uh, There there was a fellow came up one time to me, and uh, I believe it was in Denver in the airport, and he came up and he pointed at me and he said, Ralston Purina. <laughs> I said, I beg your pardon. He said, you're a salesman for Ralston Purina. And I said, well, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an actor. <laughs> he looked at me with a shocked expression and said, you're a damn liar. <laughs> he turned <around> <laughs>
8: no. God, people are so rude. Barry, this well, is Dan Wall, and I am a do out major fan of Northern Exposure. I mean, there are some of us out there that love that show so dearly. Can you talk about that show a little bit? Oh yeah,
11: yeah. I'm going talk about. I'm, I'm I'm talking about all kinds of stuff.
8: So you my,
11: talk about Northern my, Exposure? Uh, yeah, I, I talk about that. Uh, you mean in my show, in the show that I'm doing, traveling around with? Right.
3: Well, she wants yeah, you. To, she wants you to oh, well, talk, talk about, about it right, about,
11: right now. I talk about northern exposure, lonesome urban cowboy, all kinds. Of, but I also talk about my me growing up in West Texas. And uh, uh, I actually, the next time I'm doing it is. Is this uh, this coming Saturday, the 27th, at the Cactus Theater in Lubbock, Texas, where I grew Lubbock. up? Lubbock.
8: Wow. Yeah. Oh, Lubbock. God. Peggy, too. Peggy, too. Oh, man.
3: <laughs> well, Barry, you're about as Lubbock as it comes. You're from that county. You, you went to tech, the Red Raiders, the whole thing. I mean, you are West Texas. Oh,
11: yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I, I ate a whole lot of sand there. (laughs) It's, uh, we, when I was growing up, we had big sandstorms come in from the north. It was, uh, Uh. uh, sometimes you'd see a a, a prairie dog tumbling about five feet in the air.
15: Wow!
8: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> okay, Barry, Barry, we have to go back to Northern Exposure, because I love that show so much, and I don't get to talk to people who are such a big part of it. So could you please talk about filming that show and a little bit about what it was like, and do you remember the the part about everybody having each other's dreams because of the... um because of the, uh, uh, abor- uh um, Aurora... Aurora Boy Lester, Boy uh, Northern Lights. Everybody has each other's dreams. Do you remember that?
11: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was, was it like a,
8: looking uh, on that show?
11: It was, well, it was, uh, wonderful for the first four seasons. And then, uh, then it, uh, it became, uh, they, they changed producers. And then they started writing, uh, Things that uh, to me didn't make much sense. Mm. So it was uh, that toward the end. There, it was uh, it was not so fun. But right at first, it was the most delightful thing I've ever done. Barry,
3: how often? Yeah, we, you know. How often are you? Do you turn on the TV and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot I was in that Matlock. I mean, you were an oh idiot. well, I,
11: <coughs> I remember most of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't, I, I don't really watch much television. I watch, uh, oh, I watch the, the Western Channel and uh, and the uh, uh, Turner Classic Movies, and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff that I'm not in.
8: That so you're not in. Who did you love yeah. working with, Barry? Who comes to mind well, of a famous person that you loved working with?
11: Oh, I uh, I love working with everybody. I've learned something from everybody I work with.
3: I know Just, uh, I
11: don't uh, I I I don't I have had some bad experiences with, with some directors and mm-hmm. some producers, but never with an actor. hmm you
3: know, I know yeah. you're you're big into uh rodeos and You know, not like mutton-busting. You actually know how to cut a horse, don't you, in those runs?
11: Yeah, cutting cattle, cutting cattle, I do that. I don't do it anymore. I used to. Every once in a while, I'll get on a horse and and see if I still remember how. (laughs) It's getting hard to climb up on one anymore, so I don't get on them nearly as much as I used to.
3: Got to ask you (laughs) as well. Sorry, Jan. Go ahead.
8: To go back to actors, um, Barry, was there someone you acted with that you thought to yourself, "Wow, this is really a good actor"? Someone
11: specific? Uh, oh yeah, there's uh, there's there's any number of them. Uh, my my friend uh, uh, John Cullum is a wonderful actor.
8: Oh yeah, he was in Northern uh,
11: Exposure. Oh, fantastic! Yes, he was. Yeah, he played Holling, the bar owner. And, uh, uh, also, uh, uh, Franny Sternhagen, who played my wife in, uh, in, uh, The Closer. And, uh, Kathy Baker, who, years.
8: Sam Elliott. Oh man, I yeah.
11: love him. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. And then uh, Tommy Lee Jones. He's uh, uh, he's kind of he's kind of grumpy sometimes, but he's good.
3: <laughs> well, I got to ask very you about, I got to ask you about Tommy Lee because you had a very memorable part. In No Country for Old Men, one of the classic movies of all time. Did you know that movie was going to be as good as it was when you were filming it?
11: Well, my, uh, my manager called me uh, just before they were going to start shooting it. And uh, uh, said that uh, the Coen brothers wanted me to do a, a, a one scene in a movie they were directing. He said, "I don't know if you want to do one scene or not, but uh, he said this is uh, this is going to be a good one. It's with Tommy Lee Jones and uh, and the Corn Brothers are directing. I'd never worked with them before. I'd met them before, but they didn't even call me to audition for this one. They just uh, they just uh, called and offered me the job right toward the end of the casting procedure." and uh, I found out later that they'd seen most of the old men in the country
15: Hmm.
11: but uh, then they called me and asked me to do it and I I said well send me the script I'll see if I want to do it so I started reading it, it was like reading the the Old Testament of the Bible, you know there's all this (laughs) killing and bloodletting and all this stuff I thought well I don't know if I want to do this or not and uh then I got to that part that where Ellis comes in the mm-hmm. part I played, and uh, I read it and I and I called my agent, I called my manager back. I didn't uh, I didn't even finish the script. I said, "Well, hell yes, I'll do it." That scene is moving,
1: mm-hmm.
11: and it was. I mean, it explained the whole movie.
3: Mm-hmm.
11: Ah. Wow! So that's. That's how that came about.
3: Well, I want to encourage everybody to go to BarryCorbin.com. That's B-A-R-R-Y-C-O-R-B-I-N.com because you can sit down and hear there's a lot of yarns he's going to spin at his one-man show <laughs> entitled An Evening with Barry Corbin. Barry, thanks for coming on the show again. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Barry.
11: All All right.
15: Thank you. All right. Well, then, anybody out
7: there in
11: the hub city of West Texas, Lubbock, Texas, uh, this next Saturday night, twenty uh, seventh of, uh, of of May, come to the Cactus Theater and see us. We're we're looking forward to it, and stay afterwards because we're going to take pictures and sign, sign uh, <laughs> pictures and things. So we'll uh, we're going to have a good time.
3: Very good. Thanks, Barry. Have a good thank one. Thank you,
11: Barry. All right. Thank you.
8: Jen,
3: Jen, you know you're good when you don't have to audition.
8: That's right. Cool. Yeah, that's when you know that life is treating you just right. Yeah, I remember... Uh, what a good old boy, huh? He you is. There, listen to those yawns get fun. and.
3: He was also... Oh man, th- I also. had
8: a boyfriend from West Texas once. I got a... He throw, used to say... Uh-huh. Yeah. What did he say? He used to say cowboy instead of cowboy.
3: <laughs> what? <laughs> you sure he wasn't from western Czechoslovakia? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm Rick Tuttle with Jan Wall. Come on back with the film director, Hugh Person.
8: You're never gonna get my love.
12: Progressive protects more than just your home and car. You could save when you bundle your motorcycles, ATVs, boats, and RVs. Doesn't that sound good? Like the sound of your boat cruising along the intercoastal. And there's the sound of the prop hitting a really big rock. And now the sound of waves because the engine stopped. But you know what does sound good? You're covered with Progressive. So bundle all your vehicles and home in one place and save with the multi-policy discount. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company
13: affiliates and other insurers.
17: It says 100% guaranteed, you moron.
18: Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kick 100% of your ass. I'm extremes, so hard to
15: beat. Every time she walks down the street. She was mad
13: She so good I want to hold her wanna hold her tight. Yeah, kicks right the night Rick Tittle's got a black belt In keeping it real
3: Thank you for that And welcome back to the show Rick Tittle and Jan Wall with you Nationally syndicated Out of San Francisco And around the world On the American Forces Radio Network We're here to uh, speak with uh, Filmmaker Hugh Pearson Talking about uh, Blue Whale's 3D, which is going to be in uh, IMAX, uh, and it's going to be all around the uh, country. It, it's going to come out on the uh, 25th of this month. Hugh, first of all, I hear you're calling from the, uh, the Cotswolds. Are you in Chipping Norton?
19: Hello there. Uh, pleasure to speak to you. I'm not in Chipping Norton. That's the really posh bit, of the Cotswolds. I'm, I'm at the other end, the rough bit, but it's still yeah, very nice Rick here in England.
8: is very posh. <laughs> Rick is very posh. <laughs> we all know that. I go more for the, you know, working class uh, guys, and that would be where you are, I'm sure.
19: Exactly, exactly. But it's still very nice. There's no complaints <laughs> at all.
8: Now, when did you get? I'm all about the whales, and I can't wait to see this in IMAX. What an experience! What got yeah, you it's into kind the whale uh, culture?
19: Well, I I've, I've have a, an unhealthy obsession with blue whales. I, I first uh, looked into filming them for the original Blue Planet series back 20 years ago, uh, and I've filmed them, uh, you know, quite a few times since then. Um, and I've been, I've been desperate to make a film about them because they're such incredible creatures. And, you know, what better to sort of, you know, have the biggest animal in the world on the world's largest screen? So we've, it, it, was a, it was a big challenge, but, I mean, to get, uh, you know, to capture images that you can project on an IMAX screen and in 3D, um, you know, it really is truly amazing, and it feels like you're there. It Feels like you're swimming with blue whales, which is, which I think the audience is uh, hopefully they'll be blown away by.
3: With uh, uh, an apologies to Wills, can we kind of call you now the Prince of Wales? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
8: whatever,
3: whatever, whatever works for you.
8: <laughs> yeah. Now, what makes the whales so amazing to you? What is it that pulled you into? Uh, I-
19: I think it's you know they are the largest animal that has ever lived. you know a lot of people don't realize they're the biggest bigger than any dinosaur you know they're they're about the size of a boeing seven three seven and so next time you step on a plane, just look down at it and think, geez there's, there's an animal out there swimming in the oceans of that size, so I think that's one thing, um but also they're just very mysterious they're they're very enigmatic because we know so little about them because they they live their lives way out in the ocean, they dive deep so me it's just sort of like a wonderful story about how we can tell the story about these magnificent beautiful animals um, and also it's a story of hope because you know we very nearly drove them to the brink of extinction you know we almost killed them all uh, but they we, we, we stopped hunting them and now they're recovering so this film is a real story of inspiration it's a positive story and a, and a conservation success story which I think you know really hope the audience will will enjoy and will, will come away from that inspired to, to, to find out more about nature and to, to do more to conserve animals.
3: Hugh, what would be the one thing where people say, yeah, we know about the whales, and you say, no, this film is groundbreaking because we have now, we, we have seen this, or we have now, we now have knowledge about this area?
19: Yeah, that, that's a very good question. There's a number of, number of answers to that, it's seeing and hearing. Um, we've recorded the best ever calls of blue whales, the scientists, you know, they, they told me that blue whale calls are too deep for human, human ears to hear, but we recorded these calls and in the IMAX theater with 12.1 surround sound, you can hear it and you can feel it. <laughs> Believe me, it's going it's to move people literally in their seats. Um, but also we have filmed blue whales better than they've ever been filmed before. Uh, using drones now that completely open up a whole new view of blue whales. And we've filmed them feeding, and, and they literally double in size when they engulf these huge swarms of krill. We've filmed intimate moments of mothers and calves, um, you know, as their tender bonds with the newborns. Um, and we've recorded these, these amazing calls about how the, the blue whales talk to each other across whole oceans and how they communicate with each other. So... I think there's a lot that, that people will, will take away, um, and the other fantastic thing we did is we've we've discovered a new population of blue whales during the course of this film um, in the Seychelles in the Indian Ocean, where mm. you know we thought that Soviet whales had, had killed every last whale. We heard rumors of these whales, you know, people had seen blue whales, so we went out. It was a pretty risky mission, <laughs> put a few years on me, but we, we did discover that blue whales have come back into the Seychelles, so there's... On so many different levels, there's many discoveries that we can share with people and excitement and and incredible visuals and experience.
3: What about the old adage that uh, they would uh, sink ships in the old days, they would be sea monsters that would attack? Is there any truth to that?
19: Uh, there is in sperm whales were like that, and some of the other whales um, did did attack um, ships, um, which is quite understandable when, <laughs> when they're trying to be killed. Um, but the blue whales, they they are very very calm, very they're in fact very shy, considering they're such huge animals. Um, so I don't many,
8: think any instances. How many of them are there in this world?
19: Well, we the, the population, the global population, is estimated to be about fifteen thousand animals. Um, mm-hmm.
15: Out of mm-hmm. originally,
19: originally there used to be three hundred thousand animals. So it's still only five ten percent of what it used to be. But in mm-hmm. fact, I think you guys are based in San Francisco, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, one of the best places to see um, blue whales is off the coast of Southern California, Monterey Bay, um, mm-hmm. uh, San Diego. You can literally go on day boats from this time of year through the summer, and and you can experience blue whales for real in person. So. So they're coming back, you know, the blue whales are rebounding, it's a positive story, an inspiring story, and around the world, you know, off California, in Mexico where we filmed in the, the Sea of Cortez, the Gulf of California, and in the Indian Ocean, you know, they're, they're rebounding again, so, so you can, you know, people now will get the chance to experience this firsthand.
3: I remember going to oh. uh, Catalina and seeing them breach. For you, Hugh, when you see a, a whale come out of the water, is that about as good as it gets?
19: uh it's good but to me it's getting in the water with them Mm. that's that's when it's really special because it's very very difficult to see them underwater because generally the visibility is poor they're quite shy animals as i said so approaching them underwater is very difficult and you have to obviously have all the right permits but we work with the scientists and and over the course of months and years i was fortunate enough to be in the water with a blue whale and, and from the surface, you, you only see the tip of the iceberg, you get in the water with them, and they are immense. As I said, they're like a, like a, a seven, Boeing 737. So to be in the water with one, to look at eye to the eye as it swims by, that, that is something that is truly special. But it's something that a lot of people won't be fortunate enough to do, but the next best thing is, is to go and see this film in IMAX and in 3D, and you'll see Blue Whale's life-size on the giant screen. Let me oh ask. my
8: god. How long is it, is it narrated? How long does
7: it last? I mean, it's I'm a 45 minute.
19: Yeah, it's a 45 minute film. It's narrated by the, the great Andy Serkis of Gollum oh, fame, who right. does a, a, an amazing voiceover and we had Stephen Price, who uh, scored the film, the Academy Award winner. He he won a, an Oscar for Gravity. Um, and it's it's showing at the California Science Center in LA from Wednesday the 25th.
3: I, I want to ask week. you this. This might be a naive question, but you know, they say obviously, in dogs and cats and horses, they have personalities. Did you notice uh, any like <laughs> distinct personalities, if I can use the word, in these mammals?
18: Yeah, for sure. Every
19: animal we film has a personality, even down to ants. And sometimes you just have to you have to find the right animal that just tolerates you. And and definitely with these blue whales, some of them. And and, and down in the in the Sea of Cortez in Mexico. Um, there's a wonderful scientist there called Diane Gendron who has spent every year for the last 33 years uh, studying blue whales and she knows them all intimately she knows them you know by name and she she can tell you about the different personalities some are very you know tolerant of the whale watchers. some are a bit nervous, some are a bit sort of mischievous so so definitely all animals have have personalities and blue whales are no different. I cannot wait to see this.
8: this is just remarkable um it's about time somebody did this can you just tell me one thing i'm dying to know and rick don't get mad at me but how do they
7: have sex
19: (laughs) well (laughs) the the, the polite answer is we just don't know because no one's seen them you know this this all goes on beneath the surface but i but i think it's probably the same as any other mammal and and should we leave it at that one? (laughs) Well,
8: now i've got to google it okay (laughs)
3: <laughs> uh, finally, what is maybe your favorite five minutes of this film?
19: Ah, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, favorite five minutes out of forty five minutes and three years of work. you're a you're, you're a tough taskmaster. <laughs> um, yes, I is. think the opening the opening where where it we just play the sound of the sound of the blue Whale song and it just I think it's very intriguing and and, and sort of enigmatic and that epitomizes the blue wells I, it, I like the start the middle and the end
3: <laughs> <laughs> all the good bits well as, yeah. uh, so, as
7: yes
19: it, so yeah it, it's on at the California Science Center in, in California from in LA from from Wednesday but it's also rolling out at IMAX theaters around the country um, yeah. so if you look at the, look at look at the website bluewellsfilm.com and there's will list on there all the theaters that it's playing at and it's rolling out so right through, at IMAX uh, theaters right throughout the country
3: Yes, the California Science Center so down at Exposition Park in Los Angeles. Uh, Jan, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, the blue carpet at 530 in L.A. Are you going to be there?
8: I'm going to try. I, I mean, 45 minutes diving with the whale. Oh, my God. We'll, we'll, I'm we'll,
19: we'll, we'll get you an invite, I'm sure.
3: Hashtag Blue Whales 3D, hashtag Return of the Giants. Everyone make sure to uh, check it out when it comes to you. And it is called Blue Whales, Return of the Giants 3D. We've been speaking to the director and producer, uh, Hugh Pearson, right there, right near Wales and Bristol and all that in the Cotswolds. Hugh, thanks for coming on, man.
19: Thank you. It's a real pleasure talking to you, and thank you for your time.
3: All right. uh, And, Jan, you have some recommendations on the other side. I do. I do. I do. All right, we will do that next. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. I'm Byline I'm such
8: a loving pair, but the house really do when I a temperance pair. They promise you love to get through the park. I wonder if my
15: parents will ever be a part. My mom is up at night. I feel
1: That's 800-725-1651. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. Has your heater or air conditioner busted? Appliance broken? Computer crashed? Then you need an ARW home warranty. 800 867 6917. What kind of music do you usually have
17: here?
20: Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. <laughs>
13: Tittle Ate 200 Chicken Wings At Yo Mama's House Last Night Now Back To Fat Boy
3: Alright Jan We Have A Couple Minutes What Should We Be Watching This Weekend
13: Okay Now Listen I Talked About With Barry
8: with Barry Corbin I Talked About Northern Exposure A Show That He Co-Starred In With An Incredible Ensemble Of Actors And Actresses This Show I Grew Up Loving Really Hip Kind Of Twisted Shows Like Bullwinkle And Friends When I Was Little Dobie Gillis, The Adventures of Dobie Gillis, where people think Bob Denver began in um, Gilligan's Island. No, no, no. He was in a much hipper, funnier show called Dobie Gillis, where he played a beatnik. So there's all these wonderful shows. Well, Northern Exposure is the next in this line of very hip, funny shows that I loved on television. And you can get Northern Exposure... On uh, all you have to do is Google Northern Exposure and get the whole first four seasons. After that, as Barry said, it kind of went downhill because they got rid of all the really good people or the people quit. But I'm telling you, the first four seasons of Northern Exposure is brilliant television.
3: Great stuff. I can. Uh, Did you I, ever I
8: sh- see it? Did you ever see it?
3: I I don't like Rob Morrow, so I never watched it.
8: Oh. He's so perfect. He's this Jewish guy from New York who who ends up in the middle of nowhere in a tiny town in Alaska. He's not only the only Jew, he's the only doctor, he's the only anything there. And uh, there's this great character comedy all over. There's all kinds of twisted, odd, interesting, charismatic people. And, uh, oh, God, you'd love that show.
3: Maybe I'll give it a chance. I actually have a recommendation for once. Wow, no kidding, you're not going to give me a Stinko film? <laughs> um, on Amazon Prime, uh, there's a series, and I've told you before, I love Michael Shannon. and mm-hmm,
8: I love him too.
3: Yeah, and I've watched, you know, I saw the Waco thing before that with Timothy Oliphant as Koresh, and I, you know, I'm sure you've seen documentaries on it as well, but this one's called yes. Waco, The Aftermath, and it's about... Him, he's a very dry FBI agent. Michael Shannon is, but it's about him warning everybody that these Aryan nations, you know, they change their name to Patriots so that they could be seem more friendly, and it all led up to the Tim McVeigh thing. Uh, it's called Waco: The Aftermath. I think it's just five episodes. Um, but oh,
8: I'd it, love to see that.
15: Yeah,
3: it's on Prime. It's really good. I think.
8: I get Prime. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna see it because. Uh, I like stuff that's based on real life. Mm-hmm. I love real-life crime, and any stories that are based on real-life crime, I usually go for.
3: Yeah. No, he's uh, Michael Shannon. It starts off a little slow, but it's, uh, you'll, you'll really get into it. So that's my rec, Jan. And once again, thank you for coming by and, and entertaining us, as always.
8: Oh, we had a great show, and I'll look forward to the next time, and I've never heard you called posh. In the British world, that means very upper class and kind of
3: snooty. It means fancy, yes. And if you're really stylish, so if you're really stylish, you're called flash.
8: Okay, I thought. Okay,
3: not posh. But fox. <laughs> well, posh, posh is fancy. It's much more posh that way, isn't it? Sorry, I'm about to run now. Is it all right, Jan? Can you? <laughs> all right, have a good weekend, then. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Jenny. Come on back.
12: news i'm rich johnson ukraine's president vladimir Zelensky is in saudi arabia today for the arab summit he will then travel to japan to meet with leaders at the g7 summit
21: the message he's going to be bringing is one that he's been bringing to european capitals over the past few weeks and this is about more aid and ammunition as ukraine is preparing for this counteroffensive to really try to gain control that russia has during the
13: past year and a
12: half of this war bloomberg's Anne marie hordern at the summit in hiroshima where the leaders have approved a new package of sanctions and export controls against russia texas is looking west for destinations for busloads of migrants and denver mayor michael hancock is not happy
1: buffoonery is what it is and it's really a very insensitive a disingenuous act uh, from someone who who uh, claims to be a servant of the people, and he really isn't.
12: Hancock referring to Texas Governor Greg Abbott. A bus-carrying 41 asylum seekers arrived in Denver yesterday after a 24-hour drive. Abbott says he's doing it because Texas border towns are overrun with migrants. As he prepares to formally announce his run for president, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is picking up supporters, like Texas Senator John Cornyn.
5: President Trump's time has passed him by. And I think what's the most important thing to me is we have a candidate who can actually win.
12: Cornyn says Trump doesn't understand that in the general election, a candidate must appeal to people beyond their base. Also, former Vice President Mike Pence says he'll decide about running by the end of June. A judge in Worcester, Massachusetts, should decide today whether to grant bail to accused classified documents leaker Jack Teixeira. Prosecutors want to keep him in jail until his trial. OpenAI is releasing an iPhone version of its comprehensive artificial intelligence program known as ChatGPT. It's the best known AI capable of answering questions in near real time, incomplete sentences. This is USA News.
22: Right now, you can eliminate odors, mold, mildew, bacteria, and viruses in your home with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm uses Oxy technology that naturally sends out O3 molecules that seek out and destroy odors. The thunderstorm doesn't mask or cover up bad smells, it eliminates them, leaving that fresh, clean smell, just like after a thunderstorm. The thunderstorm is small, plugs right into the wall, and fits in the palm of your hand. Put one in your basement, bedroom, family room, kitchen, or anywhere you want clean, fresh air. If Tiger Woods'
12: former girlfriend Erica Herman wants more from Woods, it will be through private arbitration. A Florida judge has ruled the couple's non-disclosure agreement is valid in mandating a private arbitration. Herman's accused Woods of sexual assault during their time together. A big honor for one of Hollywood's biggest stars. Harrison Ford received a standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival for his time playing Indiana Jones. About the new film in the franchise, got a lukewarm reception. You'll get to find out for yourself at the end of June when Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny opens in the USA. If you're a fan of Pappy Van Winkle and other rare expensive whiskeys, you know it's not so much the price but the availability. That is the big challenge. In Oregon, the state's Liquor Commission has now come up with new rules on how its own employees can buy the good stuff. The Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission made news over employees scoring rare liquors at cost, before they could make it to store shelves. It's a big weekend for NASCAR fans as an old track comes back to life. The historic North Wilkesboro Speedway in North Carolina will host the NASCAR Cup All-Star Race this weekend. Track's been closed since 1996, but has undergone a $22 million renovation spearheaded by Dale Earnhardt Jr. It's a small track, small capacity, just 25,000 will get to see the race in person on Sunday night. I'm Richard Johnson, USA News.
3: An interesting, is that the word I should use, story out here in San Francisco, former 49ers fullback Bruce Miller has been reported to Capitol Police. If you didn't know, the U.S. Capitol has their own police force. Uh, After allegedly sending a threatening message to Eric Swalwell on social media, and um, uh, Swalwell shared the contents Uh, on Wednesday it said almost time three exclamation points and then a period would you rather Guantanamo or just execution you effing traitor now that came in a direct message which was sent from Swalwell from Miller's personal Twitter account and uh, then he reported it to Capitol Police. Swalwell said my family and staff are deeply disturbed by the threat of execution Apparently, by former 49er Bruce Miller, threats of political violence are unacceptable. The Niners reached out to Swalwell yesterday. Uh, Swalwell didn't say what they said, but, you know, listen, uh, Miller was a member of the Niners out here for five years. (coughs) And then Miller sent out a, a tweet saying, quote, I was content with trolling corrupt politicians in my DMS but since you want to make a story out of it then that's what we'll do that was in no way a threat to your family now you might remember that Miller was the guy who out in Fisherman's Wharf was drunk off his kazoo went to a hotel room knocked on the door a 70 year old man answered and he beat him up he was charged with seven felonies for that he attempted a comeback with the Jaguars (laughs) <laughs> but uh, that did not uh, work out because the uh, he got a six-game suspension, and so uh, it didn't work out there. But, yeah, this dude, uh, we already knew he was nuts, but saying uh, you want to execute somebody is pretty serious, and you do it to a politician, it's going to make news. So uh, Bruce Miller, uh, probably don't want to hang out with him. That would be my recommendation. All right, we have uh, Trey Gallon, Anna Shields, and Paige Turner coming up this hour. Come on back.
17: Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation
1: That's 800-943-2153.
6: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you?
11: Check out Channel 9. Check out
3: Rick Tittle. <laughs> All right, check it out. I'm Rick Tittle. Nice to have you with us as we bring you back coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Uh, if you are in the uh, Austin area, there's going to be a special event, the Red Room at uh, Cap City. Get your tickets at capcitycomedy.com. Trey, Gal- uh, Trey Gallian, the uh, com- comedian, is doing a uh, album record and this is going to be tonight and tomorrow at uh, eight o'clock and Trey welcome to the show I guess you're gonna uh, you're gonna do this and hopefully combine the two sets so is that how kind of it works
23: yeah yeah you know we see how uh, each one goes and then you know if I told one joke a little different in one set or it went a little better at one show you know then you just do the old edit and stuff like that, you know.
3: So for you, when you know you're being recorded, do you get extra, I don't know, anxiety? Or are you you scared that some drunk girl or guy is going to ruin it? I mean, (laughs) is there just more anxiety?
23: Dude, that's one of those, it's like Murphy's Law thing or whatever, like that's going to happen. So you just, whatever. I mean, I get more anxious about, uh like knowing that I'm recording and what I want, the bits that I actually want to get out because I'm a little more of a... Like, I write out set lists, but I don't really like to stick to the script much, you know, if if that dictates... You know, if the show dictates me going off on some stupid tangent, uh, then I'll do that. But then when you're recording, you feel like, all right, no, I got to do this bit word for word. And this bit, word for word, and so that's the anxiety for me in that. Where I would just rather, mm-hmm. especially in Austin, where I started and came from, where I'd rather just go up and have a bunch of fun, you know, and just be like, "Hey, everybody, here's the stupid stoner stuff that popped out of my brain today."
3: <laughs> well, you mentioned you're from there. It's a bit of a homecoming. Is it, and kind of like a, almost a bringer show for you?
23: Oh, I mean, you know, it quickly turns into that sometimes. But um, but luckily, I'm old enough that I have friends that are starting to go to bed earlier. So they're like, <laughs> yo, 8 o'clock pretty late, homie. I don't think we're going to make it this time.
3: Uh, you're, you're no spring chicken. You've been at this more than uh, two decades. And um, so, uh, you know, the road at some point, I'm sure you wanted to, like, chuck it. What were some of the low points, if I can ask?
23: Oh, I don't know. I you, That's like every comic will have those moments of like, what am I doing? I should quit this. Mm-hmm. And then you go up and you do a show and you're like, oh no, that's right. I can totally do this. And this is so much fun. So there's not, I don't think I could pinpoint one specific thing, but look, you know, we all have our ups and downs, but I was talking to one of my buddies, Chris Fairbanks the other day, who's a comic that's been doing it a while too and we were both like dude i'm having more fun doing this now than you know we did when we started so i mean it's just it's fun you gotta you of course it's different for everybody you gotta be the right type of person but for me you know it's, it's tough to beat this
3: well you know you get those i mean of course it was in that movie community you get the Orny ottoms are like why aren't i more famous and yeah, I had Chad Daniels in the studio with me a couple of weeks ago, and he says, I, "I love where I am right now. I don't need to be Bill Burr." So, do you kind of like at a certain point just say, hey, "I like this pocket I'm in"?
18: Yeah, I mean, of course, it'd be nice to be
23: able to to. But, and I love Chad; he's a great dude. Um, but it, because he's kind of the the same mindset, like we didn't, I didn't start. This because I wanted to make a much, bunch of money. I didn't start comedy with a business plan. And that kind of seems to be the MO for a lot of the younger kids. And then you mentioned, like, the Orny Adams-type situation where you're just like, what are you doing this for? Like, why are you complaining? Mm-hmm. You know, you get to go up and make people laugh. Um. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. It's like, I never started this for the money. I don't even... I'm still one of those that, like, I don't have an agent or a manager, and half the gigs I get, I don't even ask how much I'm getting paid. It's an afterthought. It's just like, hey, do you want to do this show? And it's like, yes, of course I do.
3: No, it's very cool. So when you went to New York, and and I love the Cellar and the VU, Fat Black, Gotham, the Strip, I mean, it's just so fun. You can just go every night, multiple sets. What was that like? When, like, did you get passed at the cellar, and and did you, or did you do, like, a lot of the rooms in in Brooklyn, like the Bell House, stuff like that?
23: (laughs) Right, right. That's the thing is, like, I'm not passed at any of those clubs as far as I know, but I've done shows at times at all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and part of it was because, you know, when I first moved there, um, I didn't really know a whole lot of people. That's like I knew a, a few of the comics that would come through Austin regularly um so i hung out at gotham and the cellar every once in a while and stuff like that but then it's like you're eventually like well i need stage time i can't just sit here and hang out until somebody's like hey you want to go up and do a spot and maybe get passed so Mm -hmm. so then you end up yeah doing all the bell house shows and and you know bar shows in brooklyn and queens and finding alternative shows and um and then going on the road a bunch too you know like if you're going out of town at least once a month for at least a week, you know, uh, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time to go smooth at these clubs. So just you find stage time wherever you can, and then just go from there, you know?
3: Do you remember a place in Brooklyn called Pacific Standard? It was on 4th Avenue. Um, I like that place. It's not there anymore. It closed a couple years ago, I think, but it had an Oakland theme on the inside, and I'm an Oakland guy, but... I remember going in there one time. There was no sign that said comedy in the back, but there was a little curtain. I looked back there, and it was an open mic, and there were literally three people in the crowd. I mean, did you ever (laughs) do do that place?
23: Yeah, yeah. Luckily, with a few more than three people back there, uh, (laughs) and never did an open mic. You know, it was always shows that were put together, book shows, uh, you know. Um, But, yeah, man, that place is dope. And, yeah, I was, that was one of the spots I was bummed when it uh, when it closed out because it was just, like, old-school classic bar. They had some crappy bar food that you could get. And then, yeah, that dope room in the back with all the weird but, old sports memorabilia. Yeah, it yeah,
3: looks like, kind yeah, of like a little a crappy library. bathroom
23: set though, <laughs> you know, because the bathroom was, like, right there on that sidewall, So when you're telling jokes and people had to walk right by you to go to the bathroom, that's the worst setup, man. <laughs> that's the way, especially as a comic, like if you got to go to the bathroom and then you feel uh, like you're disturbing the show or something. <laughs> yeah, so if you have a spot with the stage, always put the bathroom on the opposite wall of the stage, everybody. Put it in the back, <laughs> man.
3: Was, All right, so yeah. before we let you go, what are what are people getting at Cap Cities this weekend?
23: Man, they're going to get um, me and some new material and, uh, you know, just my take on things. I'm not the set-up punch guy. I ain't going to sit there and do a bunch of crowd work. Um, Thank goodness. You know, uh, of course, unless it comes up. But, right, I'm not that. I'm not trying to get some clips for TikTok or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't do not I'm not. As this is about me. I have to live my life listening to other people's garbage, and when I get on stage, that's the one time where I can say what I want. So why am I going to waste time talking to other people when I've already heard all the yeah, stuff?
3: Yeah, we we did not we did not pay to hear Phil from Newark. We we paid to hear the comedian. Yes, and you right, c- that's the other thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. As I segue into You Can Pay to See, Trey Galleon, tonight, capcitycomedy.com, and Saturday, Laugh Loud, you might hear yourself on the album. Hey, Trey, if you're ever in San Francisco, come on by the studios, man. Oh, uh, word. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate that. All right, good stuff. We'll come on back on the other side with actress Anna Shields here on Sports Byron. Tell me who's watching me.
15: Who's watching me?
4: Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308.
5: That's 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308.
1: don't want you to know about. So if you need to cancel, change, or modify an existing airline reservation, call Skywatch right now. It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. That's 855-325-5647.
8: Sometimes when I'm driving on the road at night, I see two headlights coming toward me fast i have this sudden impulse to turn the wheel quickly head on into the oncoming car i can anticipate the explosion the sound of shattering glass the flames rising out of the flowing gasoline right well i have to i have to go now duane because i i'm due back on the planet earth
13: Tittle ain't the man, but Rick Tittle know who the man is, and he slapped his white fanny.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show the lovely and talented Anna Shields. She is an L.A.-based actor, writer, and producer, and she has a new movie coming out called First Contact, directed by Bruce Wemple. This is a thrilling uh, sci-fi Movie and it'll be available on digital and DVD on June sixth, D Day. That's uh, any any. uh, uh, I mean, D Day is the day we get ready to fight, and you're going to fight for this movie, Anna. I that's kind of a dumb saying, but anyway. (laughs) How did you get involved? (laughs) How did you get involved with this project?
10: Hey, um, well, Bruce and I go way back. We've actually done a couple movies together. We met. We went to college around the same area in upstate New York, actually. And then uh, we just worked on a few movies from there, and then um, he, he wrote this new one and thought I'd be a good fit, and here we are.
3: Russell Sage College. I looked it up. I went to a, a small school. This one's yes. even smaller. It looks very, very pretty. Were you in the Albany or the Troy one?
10: I was in the Troy one, and it's interesting. Back when I went, back when I went, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was all women's. It was an all-women's college, and I think a couple years ago now, they, uh, now it's men and women, and I, I haven't been back, but I'm so curious, because I just remember it sort of felt like this big slumber party when I was there, with just the dorms, it was all women, so, I don't know, but yeah, it was really tiny, and it was a lot of fun there.
3: I got to say, no offense to the academicians and politicians, but of the notable people, I think you're the most famous grad. Oh, well,
10: thank you.
3: It's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> so, studying, acting there, like you think about all the colleges and all the places in the world, everybody comes to L.A., and, and let's face it, most people ain't going to make it. What, what was it about your wherewithal and the talent that got you through?
8: Oh,
10: thanks. I mean, I, my mom was always really supportive, which I appreciated. And, uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I think really what it is, and I've heard a million other actors say the same thing, is, uh, I didn't know what else I would ever do with my (laughs) life. Like, acting was it, and writing was it.
15: Mm -hmm.
10: And, uh, there were even years where I tried, and, um, I would sit there and be like, okay, well, is there anything else I could possibly do, like a safety job, that maybe I could just, you know, get training in just in case? And I went through a million different uh, possibilities. Even at one point, I was like, you know, mortician work sounds cool. Maybe I could get into that. (laughs) Except I'm terrible at science and anatomy, so maybe not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I think writing, I I started to do writing and then um, was fortunate enough to get a couple of those made. And I think that helps a lot because I can have a little more control with that. Whereas acting, you're kind of just waiting for auditions all the time. So I kind of just took initiative and was like, "Okay, I'll make my own stuff."
3: <laughs> I like bringing up the story I heard Ryan Gosling say one time that he went to an audition. He walked in, and there were fifteen guys who looked exactly like him. He he went and mm-hmm. did he did the, he did the read. He cried, and then he found out later that the part was already promised. Jared Leto I mean what were some of the low what were some of the low points like that
10: oh my god there's a lot (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean you know I think every actor deals with rejection on you know a daily basis like it sounds cliche but it's true and You know, I I try very hard to just, when I do an audition, I pretend it never happens. So it's like a happy surprise if anything comes of anything. Um, I have had a few things where it was like projects I was really excited about that just fell through, like ended up not happening. Or, you know, they used somebody that actually was sort of a name that I thought I was going to be in. Things like that. I can't pinpoint an exact event. Kind of just an overall looming, uh, um, you know, possibility of failure. But <laughs> I think I, I was lucky enough to have a couple of things I'm very proud of now.
3: Well, as you say, you write you you like writing spooky stuff, huh? Oh
10: yeah, horror is my favorite genre mm. for sure.
3: Let's talk about first contact, the tale of two estranged adult siblings. Casey and Dan, who travel to their late scientist father's farmhouse to make sense of his incomplete work, and therein lies the hijinks ensuing. Right?
8: Yes, exactly.
3: What can you tell us about your part?
8: Um, so I play. It's funny,
10: actually. In in the script, I am a NASA engineer, but I I think it got cut the one time we mentioned that. So I am a scientist in it, (laughs) which, you know, I made the all-important decision to wear glasses in this movie, Mm -hmm. just to really punch home the fact that I'm a scientist. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) Casey, my character, is very uh, much all about her work, like in her life, and uh, because of that, she kind of lost the connection with her brother when they used to be close, and like her father, she gets maybe too involved in her work and obsessing and um, is very interested when they find out that her dad is missing in figuring out what happens. This is a mystery. And she kind of gets pulled into his same obsession about, you know, the possibility of aliens or other life forms. And really she's just trying to like, keep this connection with her dad, you know. That's, that's one of the things I loved about this was that, Obviously, it's about aliens and it's fun and there's lots of freaky moments, but it also does have just this big family drama at the heart of it, and uh, I think it's actually very sweet too.
3: Now, you think about aliens and and the horror genre. Are you a believer in in a lot of this stuff?
10: Oh yeah, I'm a I'm scared <laughs> all the time. It's bad. <laughs> 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 Which I think writing gives me a little more control over it. Like, okay, I know this is fake, so uh-huh. let me go ahead and see <laughs> But, yeah, no, I totally believe in aliens, too. I think it would be really, uh, I mean, no offense to anybody who doesn't, but really sort of uh, narcissistic to think we're the only, you know, creatures out there.
3: <laughs> right.
10: But, uh, yeah, for sure.
3: And you also have a pretty strong commercial game, too, I saw.
10: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I got lucky um, with this toll booth chain, uh, or sorry, a uh, tow truck chain where um, it's called Best Pass, and mm-hmm. it's like an easy pass for trucks. And that was really funny. We did like a couple of years of just these same ads about it, and I was quote unquote the best trucker in the world, which is a joke <laughs> because I'm. small and blonde, but uh, they were so much fun, and again, you know, what's funny is they're upstate New York, and I think I actually met them through Bruce, because Bruce used to work for that company. Wow. (laughs) Tiny world.
3: So, uh, finally, the, um, when you, and I think I interviewed him for Wendigo, I think, uh, when that came out, but anyway, do you, are you already working on the sequel, First Contact, Casey's Revenge? (laughs)
10: I would love to be. Uh, (laughs) We'll see. We'll see what happens. That would be great. Um, So I just, you know, I just keep busy writing. I have a slasher I'm pitching around right now and uh, auditioning and writing. Um, I'm trying very hard to just focus on one script at a time because sometimes my brain goes nuts and I have all these ideas. But I'm hoping I can get this slasher out. So we'll see.
3: There she is, the multi-talented Anna Shields. The movie's called First Contact, Something Evil is Here from Uncorked Entertainment, and it will be coming to all of us here in North America on D-Day, June 6th, digital and DVD. Anna, congratulations on the film, and thanks for stopping by.
10: Thanks so much. I had a blast.
3: Sure. Um, Yeah, Russell Sage College. And I feel like I've heard of every college... West of the Pecos. I don't really know. Where are the Pecos, by the way? I might have to look that up. Uh, I feel like I know all of those, but on the East Coast, man, oh, man, there are so, so many colleges in New England, especially. And, you know, when you talk about the Sarah Lawrence's and the, the Denisons and the, the Emerson's, the Emerson's, uh, both Stephen Wright and uh, Bill Burr, went to Emerson, has their own uh, castle. Uh, Actually, uh, in uh, Holland, that they get to uh, rent. But uh, yeah, the. uh, I have to look up the Pecos. Oh, oh, the Pecos National Historical Park. That is in New Mexico. All right, well, I guess that makes sense. I'm Rick Tittle, (laughs) live radio. Come on back.
1: That's 800 278 1738.
12: To me, it's like a mountain, a vast bowl of pus.
13: His servants.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show the lovely and talented Paige Turner from HDTV, the real estate star. She's here to talk about Season 2 of Fix My Flip, which is uh, streaming right now, uh, also on uh, Discovery Plus uh, as well. Paige, welcome to the show. When you became a licensed real estate agent, um, how long did it take? When you were like, "I'm going to become drunk with power and be a national tel- and be a national TV star."
2: <laughs> well, thank you for having me, Rick. I'm excited to be here. Um, uh, it, well, you know what? I got my license three years before the recession in 2007, so it took me a few years to get through that. And then I was like, "Hey, if I made it through that, then I can definitely make it to television." and get drunk and do some things.
3: (laughs) When did it, because I think it only works when you have uh, someone who does what you do, someone that doesn't take themselves too seriously, but yet also knows how to run a show. So when did you realize that you had that perfect medium of I'm a star, but I don't act like one?
2: Well, you know what it is for me? I mean, this I don't want to sound too cliche, but I didn't get in front of the camera until I was 45. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge, you know, dose of, you know, humble pie there because how many people get to say that and then, you know, get several shows on the same network and continue to grow their brand. Um, But I would say, you know, after my first show, you know, a couple of episodes in, I was like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. and You know, I just wanted to be the best, so I kept going.
3: And then you're like, i got to show everybody my polka dot pink boots.
2: Ah, I don't have any polka dots.
3: <laughs> what were those things you were wearing? It was like...
2: Oh, oh. They're, oh they're not polka dots. They're <laughs> pink Gucci symbols.
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, See, I'm a man. I don't know these things.
2: <laughs> yes, I do wear those. <laughs> you're like, can
3: you believe some fool thought I was wearing
2: polka dots? Those are poke asses or Gucci.
15: (laughs) Gucci, of
3: course. All right, fix Mm -hmm. my flip. We know about flipping houses, but we don't know how to do it. So, uh, where do you come in with all this?
2: Well, I come in with flippers who they may have even had some flips under their belt, but they get into a flip for whatever reason and find themselves stuck in a hole. And they need help getting out. So, I come in and I help them and show them the errors of their way and help them get on a good path and hopefully help us all make some money.
16: Where are we
3: right now with everything kind of got crazy and now the price, I mean, like anything, there are ups and downs. It's a roller coaster. but where are we right now with the real estate market?
2: Well, there's a few hot pockets still in the country, very few, Ohio, Florida, but, you know, right now, inventory is still super low, which you would think would be a seller's market, but it's not really a seller's market because interest rates spiked up, you know, um, from the historic lows to now into the sixes, which people are freaking out about. But when I bought my first house, we were in double digits, so it's okay. We can still sell real estate with, you know, interest rates in the sixes, but that does mean that buyers have some influence in the market because they don't have to offer full price. They're asking for concessions again, so these homes aren't selling themselves anymore. You know, we actually have days on market now, which is a thing that a lot of new realtors don't even know what days on market means because as soon as a house, you know, just last year would hit the market, it would sell with multiple offers. Way over the list price. So it's a different market, but you know, it's not the worst in the world. I've seen the worst in the world.
3: I've what well, well, since you brought it up, what was the worst in the world?
2: Well, it was in my world, I should say, before some you know older timers come along, was in 2007 when the first housing market crashed. I had my license for about four years, and that was a bottom-out because people at that point were losing their homes from the economy, mm-hmm. from the recession. And that was a horrible time, you know, not just a horrible time in real estate, but a horrible time for people, you know, literally being kicked out of their homes because they couldn't afford them anymore. So that was a really bad time. Now we have, you know, we're complaining about high interest rates and how much housing costs, but people aren't losing their homes like they were in 2007 to 2015.
3: Yeah, it's a big difference between being forcibly evicted. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. Uh, a couple more questions horrible. for Paige Turner, Fix My Flip on HDTV. Um I've always been kind of fascinated by the staging of a house during an open home. It looks so unlived in, but it but it's clean. <laughs> where where are you in the whole staging thing?
2: I'm definitely a pro stager because it it does look unlived in and super clean, but I think that's what we would all love to be in every day. It definitely especially me being um uh, mom to three girls, it definitely wasn't my day-to-day life, but I think it does give a sense, if staged correctly, of, of home, hominess, like, okay, I could live here. And it also gives ideas to a buyer because not everybody's a visionary like me. So I can walk in a home that's unstaged and be like, okay, I can do this and this. But some people, especially if your layout is a little wonky, you know, if, it, you, know, if you have a smaller room, if you know how to stage it right, it won't seem as small, and then you might have a better chance of selling it because the buyer now has a vision for how to live in the
7: house.
3: Uh, Let me ask you a a two-parter. Here's the first part. What is your most proud hoopty of a dump that you turned around and turned into a little Taj Mahal?
8: (laughs) Well, actually, it'll be the last
2: episode of season two of Fix Mm. My Flip this season. Episode number eight, I walked in and I was emphatic about, you need to tear this house down. 130 cats were rescued from this house. Whoa! I almost died in it because I'm allergic to cats. I mean, the back fence literally slipped down the slopy hill. It was just a mess, and I thought it should have been a teardown. But I think we turned it around. I sure do.
3: And then, what was the beautiful mansion that, for some reason, you choked on and couldn't sell? Did that ever happen? You know,
2: <laughs> uh, not a beautiful mansion, but I did. I've choked on a lot of properties. <laughs> <laughs> because I was filled with my own ego and not being realistic with, with where the market was. And I flipped outside of a market that I knew well and didn't have anybody partner with me from that market. And so my own, you know, ego of well, this house will sell for this because I have done it and I know the market and mm. I just didn't. And I lost <laughs> a lot of money on that house and it wasn't too long ago.
3: Wow. You know, also I love the honesty by the way. Um, Real estate agents, on the one hand, you guys are, you know, in the same sorority, fraternity, whatever. But on the other hand, it's also uh, a vicious competition as well. So how are you in in dealing with with other agents? Are you someone that that they want to avoid or is someone that people love working with you?
2: No, I decided early on that my personality leads me, and I think that's where um, and how I've been so successful. I'm not one of those. I'm a good negotiator, but I'm not one of those, you know, just stuck up, you know, uh, I'm on my own island and I don't do that. And when I, I just arm agents who do that. As soon as I start working with them, I shake hands, I kiss babies, I create community because without me as a buyer's agent, you're not going to get to the closing table. And without you as my buyer's agent, if I'm listening, I can't get to the closing table. So let's just smile and figure out how to get to the closing table.
3: And you're not a a press. You'll get out a drill and a hammer and get to it as well, right?
2: (laughs) You know, I like to think of this as, um, this part is the sporting part of flipping. So, yes, I get out, I get dirty. I'm a tomboy by nature. So I find it fun. It's a great stress reliever, knocking down walls, kicking through some framing. You know, so I don't mind getting dirty at all, Rick.
3: So as an L.A. kid, when you did this show in uh, Nashville, how did you take to the volunteer state?
2: You know, I raised my kids in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Um, It was definitely a culture shock, but I often think that I was probably more of a shock to them coming (laughs) into their city. (laughs) I came in real loud, and, you know, I talked fast, and, you know, you're in Northern California, so you know how how us West Coast people do. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we we have that. The difference is the South is real sweet, very kind, laid back, where on the West Coast, it's like either you sing or you swim. So I was swimming when I was three months old out here. You know, I know how to pivot, I know how to fight, I know how to work hard, I know how to, you know, just make it work. And um that was probably my my biggest just trying effort in Nashville because not a lot of people
18: worked like I worked.
3: Let me ask you this too. Um as we know here in California, like just here in the Bay Area, I live in the East Bay and there'll be like this little Two bedroom, one bathroom house, like in Albany, California, built in nineteen twelve. It's going for one and a half million dollars. Well, you move to Idaho or Texas or <laughs> Wyoming, you're going to have your own ranch. And we've seen a mass exodus, and we've seen like a, a city like Austin become a metropolis now because of this, and Boise and yeah. others. What do you think about the the mass exodus? Is because somebody told me everyone who was going to leave has left, and so now people are starting to come back. How have you seen it?
2: I'm seeing the same thing. I came back. I was in Nashville, but I never, I'd never, i never wanted to stay in Nashville forever. I loved Nashville, but it was my nesting ground, and I couldn't wait to come home because home is home. Um, but I see the same thing. Um, but this is the thing. Yeah, it might be, you know, a home built in 19, the 1920s for, you know, $1.5 million, but look at what we get. You mm, know, you right. get what you pay for in life, right? right. And you ha- you can only determine what you want and what value that has to you Mm -hmm. i would rather live in a studio you know apartment in la because la is what gives me life right now
15: Mm
2: -hmm. at this point of my life so everything is relative to me now you know i'm like "Eh, who cares to cost a million and a half dollars for a 1920s charmer you know this (laughs) look at what you get look at the coast you're on right i mean we live in metropolis we live in we live on an island we live in you know one of the most beautiful states in, in one of the most beautiful countries in the world. So, you know, they can come, they can go. I'm staying, you're staying. So we'll be
3: there. <laughs> Very good. Last question for you. On season two, will we see, not edited out, a Paige Turner temper tantrum?
15: <laughs>
3: what? <laughs> <laughs>
2: no. Have you ever seen me? I don't have I ever had a temper tantrum on camera.
3: I'm just teasing. I'm um, just was hoping.
2: I have. I did cry. I cried once on the first show, last episode. But Uh-oh. I was those were real tears.
3: Uh-oh. Yeah, I lost a lot of money. I saw Uh-oh. all my money go out the window.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the producers thought it was something cute. They were like, Oh, keep page out. I walked in and had a I fully cried. Um, no, you won't see a temper tantrum from me, but I bet you will see some from other flippers. All
3: right, there it is. It's called Fix My Flip, season two. It is underway on H D T V and streaming on Discovery Plus as well. And uh, Paige, as always, very charming. Thanks for coming on.
2: Rick, you are the best. Thank you so much for having me.
3: right, thank you. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and come on back on Byline.
1: That's 800-915-9654
20: President Biden recently released a massive $6 trillion budget, the largest budget in U.S. history. And guess who pays the bill? That's right, you, the American taxpayer. American citizens and business owners will be paying more taxes, that's a fact. And if you owe back taxes, they will be coming after you to collect payments. In fact, President Biden also hired thousands more IRS agents to go after you. If you got a letter from the IRS and you know you owe back taxes or you haven't filed in years, don't put your head in the sand.
1: an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long 54 inch wide gorilla is that what you're telling me
13: This is the only sports talk show that features a Rhodes Scholar, but he ain't here today. Now back to Rick Tittle.
3: Ah, uh, thank you for that. And uh, I'm going to sneak in a little sports talk here. Don't tell anybody. Shh. I was watching a little bit of the, basically the whole second half of the game last night between the Lakers and the Nuggets, which is weird because I hate both the teams, but I I can't hate a team more than I hate the Lakers in hoop ever. And what was weird was LeBron choked twice at the end of the game. The Lakers needed a steal. They needed a steal bad. He comes running way up, tips the ball with his left hand on a bad inbound pass. I think he's setting up for a three. He doesn't take it. He goes to the rim, and he basically shoots an air ball trying to do a reverse layup. And then with the Lakers needing two threes, like in eight seconds, he dribbles up and he gets the ball stolen away from him. I mean, he basically did two Rick Tittle plays because I can air ball a reverse layup and I can have the ball stolen from me. You don't see that very often (laughs) from LeBron. Meanwhile, we were talking yesterday about James Harden in Philly has a $35.6 million player option. Well, now people are saying that he is going to opt out and he's going to go back to Houston. From the Rockets' perspective, they'll have about $60 million in cap space this summer. And he's expecting to get a maximum of a $210 million contract. Harden said, I was in a really good place in Houston. Obviously, we didn't have a chance to win a championship, but I was comfortable. For me to for so for me to up and leave my family, all the things I created there, to come to Brooklyn for a year and a half just trying to get up and leave, it was for a reason. So, I mean, there it is. He wants to go to Houston because it's home. So, uh, Rockets, get ready for more of the beard. And get more ready get ready for more I blew it. Of titillating sports on the other side. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. We got another hour. We'll have a comedian Jessica Seely, and we'll talk ponies with Carmine Marino.
12: news i'm rich johnson ukraine's president vladimir Zelensky is in saudi arabia today for the arab summit he will then travel to japan to meet with leaders at the g7 summit
21: the message he's going to be bringing is one that he's been bringing to european capitals over the past few weeks and this is about more aid and ammunition as ukraine is preparing for this counteroffensive to really try to gain control that russia has during the past year and a
12: half of this war bloomberg's Anne marie hordern at the summit in hiroshima where the leaders have approved a new package of sanctions and export controls against russia texas is looking west for destinations for busloads of migrants and denver mayor michael hancock is not happy
1: buffoonery is what it is and it's really a very insensitive a disingenuous act uh, from someone who who uh, claims to be a servant of the people, and he really isn't.
12: Hancock referring to Texas Governor Greg Abbott. A bus-carrying 41 asylum seekers arrived in Denver yesterday after a 24-hour drive. Abbott says he's doing it because Texas border towns are overrun with migrants. As he prepares to formally announce his run for president, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is picking up supporters, like Texas Senator John Cornyn.
5: President Trump's time has passed him by. And I think what's the most important thing to me is we have a candidate who can actually win.
12: Cornyn says Trump doesn't understand that in the general election, a candidate must appeal to people beyond their base. Also, former Vice President Mike Pence says he'll decide about running by the end of June. A judge in Worcester, Massachusetts, should decide today whether to grant bail to accused classified documents leaker Jack Teixeira. Prosecutors want to keep him in jail until his trial. OpenAI is releasing an iPhone version of its comprehensive artificial intelligence program known as ChatGPT. It's the best known AI capable of answering questions in near real time, incomplete sentences. This is USA News.
22: Right now, you can eliminate odors, mold, mildew, bacteria, and viruses in your home with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm uses Oxy technology that naturally sends out O3 molecules that seek out and destroy odors. The thunderstorm doesn't mask or cover up bad smells, it eliminates them, leaving that fresh, clean smell, just like after a thunderstorm. The thunderstorm is small, plugs right into the wall, and fits in the palm of your hand. Put one in your basement, bedroom, family room, kitchen, or anywhere you want clean, fresh air. If Tiger Woods'
12: former girlfriend Erica Herman wants more from Woods, it will be through private arbitration. A Florida judge has ruled the couple's non-disclosure agreement is valid in mandating a private arbitration. Herman's accused Woods of sexual assault during their time together. A big honor for one of Hollywood's biggest stars. Harrison Ford received a standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival for his time playing Indiana Jones. About the new film in the franchise, got a lukewarm reception. You'll get to find out for yourself at the end of June when Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny opens in the USA. If you're a fan of Pappy Van Winkle and other rare expensive whiskeys, you know it's not so much the price but the availability. That is the big challenge. In Oregon, the state's Liquor Commission has now come up with new rules on how its own employees can buy the good stuff. The Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission made news over employees scoring rare liquors at cost before they could make it to store shelves. It's a big weekend for NASCAR fans as an old track comes back to life. The historic North Wilkesboro Speedway in North Carolina will host the NASCAR Cup All-Star Race this weekend. Track's been closed since 1996, but has undergone a $22 million renovation spearheaded by Dale Earnhardt Jr. It's a small track, small capacity, just 25,000 will get to see the race in person on Sunday night. I'm Richard Johnson, USA News.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the uh, program. <clears throat> there are always people who will say, oh, the, uh, the A's aren't leaving because blah, blah. The A's are leaving. Of course, there's a story today that Vegas only wants to pay 195 mil, and that the A's originally wanted 500 mil, but now they're down to 395 mil, so they're 200 million apart. They're going to have to knock down the Tropicana Casino to build this thing. But, you know, they want their shiny new ballpark in time for the 2027 season. So it looks like, you know, they talk about, well, they have one more year at the Coliseum on their lease, and then they'll play two years in the 10,000-seat Las Vegas Stadium in Summerlin, where their AAA team, the Aviators, play, who wear Astros colors. <clears throat> yes, just thought I'd throw that in. But it's the tax-paying public, and they there's this legislative, legislative session that needs to be in by June 5th. But even if it's not, the governor can just say there's a new one. But there's no legislation yet. Because the transferable tax credits for stadium construction funding is 195 mil, and the A's want 395 mil. The funny thing is, ha ha, is that the owner of the A's is a billionaire, and he can just sign a check, and it would be no big deal. That's what the Giants did with their stadium. That's what the Warriors did with their stadium. They just paid for it. Like, we, we know we're not going to get any money, so we're not even going to bother everybody. And they still had needed to get approval. The Giants thing barely passed, even though they're paying for the whole thing. People forget that. The first two were shot down. The one in Santa Clara was shot down. And the one on the waterfront here barely passed. <laughs> Stupid people.
7: You're going to ruin everything.
3: Right. So people will say, Ah, oh, look, they're not going to Vegas after all. They're still going. This is what's called a hang up. That's all it is. It's a bump in the road. It's a little wall, and they'll climb over it, walk around it, or break it down. But, yeah, so don't... I'm just trying to tell you, don't get your hopes up. I'm Rick Tittle, ruining all your dreams. Come on back.
17: Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you, Let's keep making money together.
4: Collectible Exchange is the most trusted sports memorabilia company in the country, carrying game-used, autographed, and other one-of-a-kind items. Founded by collecting icon Brandon Steiner from Steiner Sports, they can also help you evaluate, authenticate, and sell your sports collectibles. Check out collectibleexchange.com and use code RADIO20 for 20% off between now and Father's Day, with over 150,000 items and over 80 pro and college athletes selling directly to you. That's code RADIO20 at collectibleexchange.com.
13: Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills Stop overpaying and call right now.
1: Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800-965-1295. 800-965-1295. 800-965-1295. That's
7: 800-965-1295. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle.
3: 11, 12 a.m. We check in with one of our friends from Pro Wagering and ProWagering.com. The Preakness is tomorrow at Pimlico, and uh, who else would we have on on the day before? But the great Carmine Marino, Carmine, I got a. Uh, it's a double edged sword at the Derby because I know you were big on Kings Barnes, and the the Japanese horse was a Dermasodakake, whatever it was called.
18: Yeah, and I, and if he runs into if he runs into Belmont, Rick, I'm all over him again.
3: Alright, but, uh, so we missed on those, but I I, I will give you credit because I said when you look at the outliers you did say Mage, so how did it go for you?
18: Well, I had a rough day, but I have to sit here and tell you, how many horses can you bet in one race, right? I mm-hmm. mean, at 15-1 to one in the Derby wasn't really an overwhelming long shot. Mage came into that race off of a great Florida Derby move that Forte came on. I have to tell you, I, I think Mage's got a shot at being in the, tri- going to the Belmont as a a shot winning a triple crown. I think he wins the race based upon his form. He's developing. Um, It's nice to see Gustavo Delgado come out of nowhere to potentially have a a magic horse. This is not a great race, this Preakness, especially now that first mission is Scratch, which is the eight horse, which was the second choice by Brad Cox. But, I mean, I think this, this is a horse that I actually had him. When we did this show back for the Florida Derby, I actually had, I used Mage with Cyclone, Mischief and Forte. I mean, I think this this is a very interesting animal. I think he's coming on. A lot like charismatic, if you remember many years ago, with Chris Antley.
3: You know, it's interesting. Here you have nearly 20 horses originally for the Derby. You get to Pimlico, there's like eight. And this is the first time in our lifetimes, because you got to go back 75 years, where only one horse, the winner, in the Derby is in the Preakness. So I was wondering about that. And I guess, tell me if I'm wrong, it's just that if you qualify for the Derby, you throw your horse in there, even if your horse stinks. And then when you lose by 20 lengths, you're like, all right, that was my fun. I'm not going to do this again at the Preakness. Is this why we have less than 10 horses?
18: I think we have less than 10 horses because I think there's a lot more um, soreness out there than we can imagine. Uh, look at if you look at the Derby, you had three horses scratch, including or actually four horses ended up scratching, including the uh, Derby favorite Forte. And I'm surprised that Forte's not running in this race. They're going I guess, they're going him, to lean him towards the Belmont. Uh, this is it's, it's the first time in 107 years that you have a race like this, I believe. At, at the pre, no, since 1948. But what's really interesting, and this this is also the smallest Preakness field since 1986.
3: Seven. Yeah, you said First Mission got scratched. What happened there?
18: Yes. I, I, you know what? All I can tell you, First Mission was scratched. It was the second choice in the running line. It, it didn't It didn't really say what it, why they scratched him, but the last time the field was this small, Snow Chief beat Ferdinand, who won the Derby. So, again, this is going to be an interesting race. I, I think money is going to come in on Baffert. I don't think National Treasure is that great a horse. He's a good horse. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's a great horse. Mage could be a great horse. I'm not saying for sure yet he's there. I got to tell you, um, you got there's a couple other horses you could look at. I mean, it's it's the problem here, remember one thing about this, Rick. Closers don't do very well at the Preakness because of the turns. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. The question is, where's the speed going to come from? And more likely, it'll be the four. National Treasure doesn't show good speed. He'll, lay, he'll probably lay third or fourth on the rail. Mage may shuffle back and then make that bold move. It, it, the only thing he's got going for him, there's not 13 other horses he's got to sh- circle around. Because in that Derby, he was 16th at one point, 13 lengths off, and then swept the field and won. I mean, I'm rooting for Javier Castellano. I love the I love the jockey. He's been very, I've been very successful in him over the years, but. Um, you know, the other horse I thought had a shot was red route one, the five. As a closer, though, that's the problem. I think Chad Brown has the possibility to be upset with the seven, Blazing Sevens, because the horse is working great. They passed on the derby. Um, again, it's all about positioning. Will he be third or fourth? If he's, you know, way back, I I, I can't see him winning. But he beat Blazing Sevens, if I'm not mistaken, ran fourth behind National Treasure in the Breeders' Cup. So, it's an interesting race. I think Mage is going to win. I just hope the price is 3-2 or better.
3: Yeah, Blazing Sevens had to be number seven, of course. Um, And you could really argue that it's a six-horse field, because, as I've told you before, Golden Gate Fields is my home track. It's 10 minutes from my house, and... Chase the Chaos, won the El Camino Real, and there's a little, I think there's a track tie-in, so they get out to automatically qualify for the Preakness, but then it went down to Santa Anita and lost to San Felipe by, like, 17 lengths. So, at Chase the Chaos, am, am I right in saying that this is just a, a horse that's just going to, at best, just get in somebody's way?
18: If he wins this race, he's going to look like, it's going to make Rich Strike look like he was the favorite last year. This horse is going to be 100-1. to I mean... You're 100% right. This this is just, you know, I, my horse ran in the Preakness. This horse may never see another graded stakes race like this ever again. I mean, the other horse that you could probably put in there is Perform. I, I mean, a six horse, to me, is another horse that falls in the same category, shorter odds, Shug McGahee, but this is not a horse that I could I, I couldn't even give it an outside shot. To me, it's a five-horse race. mm um, and the only reason I give the four any inkling of a shot is because of the speed. This horse might set the pace. Rodriguez is a hell of a jockey. You know, um, the trainer is Salesman, He's a good trainer. The problem is this horse is running in basic state races. You know, not even graded. This is a horse that you and I would want to own because they'll probably make three, four hundred thousand dollars in a year and be very happy. And, but he'll never, he'll never run in a, in, in a big platform. So, I mean, when you look at the race, truthfully, you look at the one, the three, the five, and the seven is the only horses that have any kind of showing that have, that have run pretty well, that racing grade was. I mean, Red Route 1, losing the Arkansas Derby, wasn't embarrassed because he, he closed well, ran a decent six, getting by, Angel, getting by Angel of Empire, who ran third in the Derby. And the Rebel, he ran second. So, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's got some pedigree. Is Steve Ashman, but the rest of the field. This is a lousy freakness. And today, what's even worse? Yeah, it could be. It could be the. It could be today's um, Black-eyed Susan. Oh man.
3: <laughs> well, this is the other thing. Doesn't it make it? Correct me if I'm wrong. Easier to get it right when you got basically only five horses that have a chance.
18: Um. Yeah, you know you're right it does here's the problem i mean i'm looking for a price i'm looking to get a horse that could pay 20 or 30 dollars mm-hmm. it ain't happening in this race um so what i want what i was going to do is bet a superfecta before he got scratched but i actually like the eight horse i thought first mission could be dangerous right now i think castellano is going to pick up a pre- a preakness win and have himself a shot at it, and, and, and then everybody's going to get all energetic saying, hey, we got a Belmont horse that could win the Triple Crown And Mage. The Belmont could be a, a field of 12 horses, in my opinion. Right now, if I, were, if I were going to gamble, I'd say they're going to have between 10 and 12 horses in the Belmont. And if you remember when Secretary won the Triple Crown, there was only five horses in the Belmont.
3: Wow, I did not know that.
18: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you look at – when you look at – Secretariat's performances in the in the triple crown series the derby was a big field won it impressively but then the preakness wasn't as big and the belmont was only five horses and so he, he did win by 30 lengths and he and he was in the thing that was amazing about the race wasn't the distance in the race it was the fact that he won it in 224 flat now that was mind-boggling but I almost was like a, that was almost like spectacular bids walkover back in California many years ago when he set the track record. But I, th- this mage actually, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. You're going to crack up. I wouldn't be shocked that this horse pulled off the triple crown after his last two races because he's coming into this Preakness really sharp. And if he wins with ease, I, I'd have to say he's got a shot. I remember the Belmont. Even though he's a closer, closers don't always fare great. Sometimes you have that tactical speed. If Mage can revert back to his start where he ran fourth, but he was and, and then in maiden where he was, you know, towards the front end. If he can show some basic uh, tactical speed in, the, if he gets through this race in the Belmont. I think he could actually sweep the – this would be the most unlikely triple crown winner we've ever seen if he did it because he came out of nowhere and he could pull off a Justify because, if you remember, Justify never ran until he was a three-year-old, and this is the same thing with Mage. And and it's really impressive because it, this this is pretty much a trainer who's okay, he's not great, and all of a sudden he has himself a grade one horse that got into the Derby because he qualified because if he didn't run well in the Florida, uh, the Florida Derby – Out of the money, he may not have got in, so he he ended up getting in through the back door. And with all the scratches, he pulled it off. I mean, this is an interesting race.
3: Yeah. Well, every horse except Mage has won a couple hundred k. Mage has won over two point one million. He is the favorite. We've been speaking with Carmine Marino of Pro Wagering. Hey, have a good weekend, man. Thanks for coming by.
18: I'll talk to you for the Belmont. Hopefully, we're talking Triple Crown.
3: All right. Very cool. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back, Jessica Seeley in studio.
4: Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308.
5: That's 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308.
1: That's 800-788-1495.
4: It doesn't really matter. I, uh, I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm going to go anymore.
13: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: I think a lot of weird things, and if you're looking on our twitch.cameras, cameras, you can see that we have comedian Jessica Seely in studio. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Jessica is promoting her show at the Punchline down here on Battery Street, which is going to be on the 31st of this month. You're going to do an album.
24: I'm recording my first album. That's
3: so awesome. Congratulations.
24: Thank you so much. I'm so excited. After over 10 years of doing stand-up, I feel that I've got the album that I want. So I just need a good crowd now, and then we're ready to go.
3: Are you going to try to do it in one set?
24: So I do pretty much, because I really like the flow of the set that I've got. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually going to be opening up for Bobcat Goldwaith that weekend at the Punchline. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to cord some of my sets there in case... In case I need a little filler. <laughs> but I'm hoping that the crowd is just so awesome and it goes so perfectly that we don't even need to. That's my
3: That's good. You can fantasy. get in the first go. Bobcat's a friend of the show. Uh, been on several times and he'll probably be in that weekend too. Um, what's it like when these guys take you under your wing, uh, under their wing like that? That's got to be pretty cool.
24: I don't know. I mean, I I, I uh, am getting hired by the punchline, not
3: necessarily Bobcat. Who were the people that took you under their wing then?
24: uh i don't know i mean just i i would say most of my peers like i didn't have any kind of like um like large name like mm-hmm. joy
3: behar didn't take you to new york or something.
24: no not necessarily, that was always my mom's <laughs> fantasy is my mom because like i i'm around bigger people and they're nice to me and they're cool and they'll answer my questions like mm-hmm. i remember like um, I did when I lived here and open mic and like Robin Williams was there, you know, Wow! and uh, that was he was so fun and so exciting. But my mom was always like, you're going to get discovered like Robin Williams will see you and then everything's going to happen. But <laughs> it's not necessarily how it works. You just kind of plug along and mm-hmm. you do your thing. And
3: growing up in uh, Orange County, we were talking off the air that we uh, we, we both like Disneyland, but you had the season pass as a kid.
24: As a kid, yeah, I did.
3: How often did you go in the summer?
24: I don't know that we went at all in the summer because you have, like, the lower level paths. You're blocked out for the summer. Oh, I didn't know that. Which is kind of, I think, sort of good because you only kind of want to go when other people aren't going. Like, I just remember as a kid, like, going on a super rainy day and wearing (laughs) our ponchos and doing (laughs) Splash Mountain over and over again. It was cool.
3: What was, in your opinion... The like w- what's your go t- even though it might be an hour wait in the line what's your, your two or three go to rides
24: I might not wait an hour in the line I, I try to like mm-hmm. find the time in the day where that one's going to be lower um, now they've got all this crazy genie stuff skip the line but uh, my go to's I mean I've got like uh, my, my favorite kind of like nostalgia rides which are like Mr. Toad's wild ride sure Um, I think it's a really funny ride. Mm -hmm. Um, Love it. Yeah, because it's the story of someone who, like, is gambling and goes to jail and loses everything (laughs) and then gets hit by a train and goes to hell. (laughs) At the end of the ride, you're in hell. Wow. (laughs) So, I just, you know, I think that's cute. But, you know, the... The bigger rides of course, your Space Mountain, and then there's the new one, the Rise of the Resistance. They they do neat stuff.
3: Is that the Star Wars one?
24: It's a Star Wars one, yeah.
3: I have not been down there since the Star Wars stuff. The oh,
24: Star but... The Star Wars stuff is pretty cool.
3: What about there's like a Millennium Falcon hotel whatever two grand a night? I mean, did you ever were you ever in a hotel that you could take the monorail to?
24: Yeah, I did um so for my mom's sixtieth birthday, we took her to Disneyland and we stayed in the uh, Grand Californian Hotel. Ooh. But my partner was working for Disney at the time, so we got like 50% off or wow. something. And even with that, it was like still the most expensive hotel mm. I've ever stayed in. You get to go in like an hour early, and it's it's pretty neat. But overall, uh, that's a bit of a racket. I wouldn't recommend doing the Disney hotels.
3: Man. Right. When I was in uh, high school in the 80s, they used to have this thing called Grad Night, where they'd have a couple of nights where from like 8 to 11 p.m. it was just seniors in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so everybody wanted to go because, you know, there's girls and guys For and sure. mingling and all, Yeah, and so <laughs> the senior, when I was a junior, the senior class, someone brought a six-pack, and I went to an all-boy Catholic school in Richmond. And so they decided as punishment, next year's seniors wouldn't be able to go.
24: Oh, no, you ruined it for the next year seniors? I didn't
3: ruin it. The, the, the class before me ruined oh, it oh, for sorry, me. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, my
24: god! How is
3: that justice, Jessica?
24: That's like, that probably is the root <laughs> of all your issues today. I think we should work through this <laughs> a little bit. Can you
3: tell all my issues? Because
24: it's like you have this sense of you've been wronged, right? <laughs> Do you feel that throughout the day?
3: 24-7, I feel hard done by.
24: It's, it's hard when someone cuts you off in traffic, and it's like, how can this happen to me?
3: It's all because of Senior How night. are you doing this Grad to me? Um, I love Space Mountain, and I love the Matterhorn. Those are my two favorites. Um, nostalgia-wise, Pirates, obviously, and the two baby waterfalls. But I remember when I was in college, my brother, my friend and I went to pick him up at San Diego State. We were playing pickup basketball, and he twisted his ankle really bad. So when we got to the gate, the, you can rent a wheelchair. Mm. I think it was 10 bucks, And we didn't know that you got to cut the entire line. Yeah. And so these girls would walk us. There was a secret way through Space Mountain to get to the front. Dang. And she said, oh, yeah, when I come with my friends, we always get a wheelchair.
24: That is so naughty. I
3: know. Well, we actually needed one, but apparently that's not a bad idea.
24: I feel like now i don't even think you need it
3: well you can make reservations for and you said what's the genie system now
24: so this is a controversial (laughs) (laughs) but um you can pay like 20 bucks or something like that a person and essentially like um reserve like uh times on your phone to get on certain rides and you skip the line
3: for 20, you're already paying a hundred something. I gotta pay another 20 to skip the line. A
24: person. So, if you've got a family, it's that's, that's crazy. I mean, it's at that point, it is kind of worth it. Like, if you've traveled there mm-hmm. to just like get Plan on the ride, money. because what it's done is it's made the rides like so, the lines so long, which is just a, a, a shame. It is oh. a shame. But, uh, uh, yeah, you, before that you you kind of could like just sort of navigate with fast pass and stuff and get on everything kind of quickly.
3: Last time I went I waited an hour for the Matterhorn and then I waited an hour for Space Mountain and then I left. Wow. Yeah. Well,
24: at least you did those two right. I feel sorry when I see like families and stuff that yeah, are like
3: from France. <laughs> they or have England. like
24: yeah, they're like European accents and they're like they're like we've only been on two rides a day and it's like five <laughs> o'clock and i'm like geez you should have hung out with me all day you know i, I could have helped but it's it's not it's not that accessible it's not that like it's becoming less and less like intuitive because now mm. if you want to skip lines you gotta use your phone and uh.
3: yeah <laughs> who is the biggest celebrity you ever saw walking around disneyland
24: I've actually never seen one, but I've I've heard people around me be like, oh, so-and-so is here. Um, I think uh, I was there and a bunch of girls in the line next to me were all excited and they were like, that's Kylie Jenner. That's Ky-. uh, And I, I w- probably wouldn't recognize her even if I did see her. Yeah, I, uh, but-
3: I wouldn't recognize her either. I just remember before we go to the break, John Malkovich hosted SNL in like, 87 and he did this sketch where they were dressed up like these French courtesans and he and John Lovitz just went you mock me no you mock me you mock me they said that like a hundred times so I saw John Malkovich with with a cane and this woman on his arm walking very slowly and I walked up to him and I went, you mock me. And he gave me the biggest frown I think I've ever had. Oh, no. Great story. More stories like that on the other side. We have comedian Jessica Seeley in studio. She's filming. She's recording, I should say, an album at the Punchline on the 31st of this month. More with Jessica Seely on the other side. Come on back.
16: Next up, Straight Talk from Doug.
3: Ever notice that saying no offense is offensive? Like,
16: no offense, but you're overpaying for your wireless. See? Offensive. That's the Straight Talk talking. Get unlimited plans as low as $35 a month from Straight Talk, on America's most reliable 5G network. Available at Walmart and Walmart.com. On the $35 plan, 1st ten gigabytes data at high speed, then 2G speeds. Refer to the latest terms at StraightTalk.com. Based on most first-place rankings, root metrics, second-half 2022 assessments of 125 metros. Experiences vary, not an endorsement.
1: That's 800-754-4531 Angie's
21: list is now Angie And we've heard a lot of theories about why
1: Appliance broken? Computer crashed? Then you need an ARW home warranty. Tablets, laptops, TVs, and other home tech from accidental damage and wear and tear. All plans come with a 30 day money back guarantee. 800 867 6917. 800 867 6917. 800 867 6917. That's 800
11: 867 6917. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious!
13: Rick Tittle is a majestic stallion.
3: All right, Jessica Seeley, stand-up comedian, will be recording an album at the Punchline on the 31st of this month. You need to get out there for the show. She's going to be before Bobcat Goldthwait. Um, She also is ready for your calls at 800-878-PLAY. She would like to take a call at 800 878 play. Jessica, I know it's not spelled like posturpedic, but right, it is spelled like Aaron Seeley the pitcher. Any relation?
24: A uh, distant cousin, yes. Really? But that's why we're we're all Anaheim Angels people in my family.
3: Okay, cuz I was a half you expecting to say I never heard of him.
24: No, 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 no. I I used to get back in the day when he was still around free drinks at a bar cuz people would be like Aaron Seeley, like the pitcher. I'd be like, yeah. And I will say, uh, a lot of people in my family, pretty good pitchers. Really? We got some arms, I guess.
3: And you? Uh,
24: I You know, I, I really never did the sports thing. Um, I feel like I can throw a ball, mm-hmm. but um, I just, I'm so slow. <laughs> I like, I have my mile time in high school. I
3: think we're all slow. <laughs> but I like how you said you, you think you can throw a ball.
24: <laughs> I, can, I can throw it, but I'm, I didn't get necessarily that talent.
3: How about kickball?
24: A kickball's fun, huh?
3: Okay, you can yeah, do that. Yeah, I could play kickball. Did you, growing up, did they throw you in softball or basketball or soccer or anything?
24: No. Hmm. Uh, Siblings? I, I was a band person. We're all band people, uh, my family. I'm, I'm in the nerd contingent What day? Of the Seelies. <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> you're either a big leaguer or you're in the band. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> no in between. Um, let me guess. Um, saxophone?
24: No, but thanks for thinking I'm so cool.
3: Mm. What, what, what was it? Trumpet. I almost said trumpet.
24: Mm. You always go with your first
3: I intuition. Know. Chuck Mangione style?
24: Chuck Mangione. Gosh, I have this great record with him on the front, and his like, scarf is like blowing in the wind, mm. and the sun is shining off his trumpet. Big Chuck Mangione energy.
3: Because I, I'm, I, I, I'm a lot older than you, I'm surprised you know who that is. So you must be a trumpet aficionado
24: i'm just a nerd <laughs>
3: <laughs> of course the rocky theme he did that one mm. and uh herb alpert pretty good with the trumpet too right for the sure. tijuana brass for sure yeah uh let's get into the cello and yo-yo ma now okay no um <laughs> so uh tell me about your pod
24: um the Undooming podcast Yes. So, okay, I just, um, I feel, I I used to have a podcast that was all about climate change. It was called Hot Topic. Mm -hmm. And this, I feel, is, like, kind of my next level of that, where in general, I want to, like, focus on what people do in their lives to kind of, like, feel less doom right now or work towards getting out of that doom mindset because sure. i don't really like it when people just kind of go like well it's the end of the world what are you gonna do it's too late everything's so messed up i'm like that's kind of boring mm-hmm. but I, but i get it because i used to be like drinking in a bar and being like well but this is it. everything's so terrible you were fatalistic for sure i, I yeah. feel like i had a very nihilistic early 20s and um Something about growing older, I'm just like, you know what? We got to work for it. And if if it doesn't work out, you know, at least we could say we worked for something. You
3: look like you're in your 20s right now.
15: (laughs) Stop it! No, really.
3: (laughs) You seem super young. Uh, I'm a uh, 35. Okay. Um, didn't you didn't have to reveal your age, but I, I felt pressure. Th- pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I felt pressure. <laughs> That's my fault. Uh, but I'll have you know that 35 is very young. So.
24: I, I like being 35 a lot more than I liked being in my 20s. I was. Yeah. Because uh, my brain it, it was. Uh, you got stuff
3: figured out now.
24: It feel, it feels a uh, like I'm, I'm on a track now. It was a, it was a tough time in my 20s. I was drinking a lot. And uh, you can you can still hear some of that uh, in my comedy, some of my struggles,
3: because mm. they're still there. Um, did you drink? You lived in Oakland. Where did you live in Oakland?
24: Um, I lived in West Oakland.
3: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, was there anywhere, any place around there to drink?
24: Oh yeah. I mean, my my own place for one. <laughs> but I liked I liked going to a lot of like punk shows and like meeting a lot of like drummers and stuff. Oh. <laughs> So, so we're past that now. We're not doing, dr- doing drummers anymore. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the truth is I never really liked the music, to, uh, to be honest. I just, I was like, it's so loud. Turns out uh, I've got very sensitive hearing. Wow. I've got, I've got like perfect hearing. I just went to the doctor and he was like, what? And I'm like, I made it through all those shows.
3: Wow. So you, I'm a huge punk fan and I go to those shows yeah. So you were looking to hook up with Bill Stevenson of the the Descendants?
24: No, nobody quite. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like kind of more hardcore and just like local. Um, I do, I do like punk, mm-hmm. but um, being so a, just like
3: a grungy dude yeah. from Manteca who's in a band <laughs> and he's <laughs> he's at some place like he's yeah yeah. All right, well, hey, no judgment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking with Jessica Seeley. Let's get back to Robin Williams for a second because you dropped that name. That's pretty cool. Did What kind of interactions did you have with him?
24: Well, just one, and I, he was at an open mic. It's one of my favorite little comedy moments because he was just showing up to an open mic. Where like, was it? Um, it was in the Richmond uh, really? at um, the bar that I... It's, I forget the name of the bar, but they had regular open mics.
3: And the ri- Was it the, not the Rocket Room? Uh, I don't
24: think it was the Rocket Room. It was like um, a little smaller. Like, you walk in and there's a bar. Is it then, West Portal? That sounds right. like it could be. All uh,
3: right, somewhere in
24: there. Um, I wish I had that locked and loaded, but I was working at the farmer's market at a time at the mm-hmm. time, and I had, like, um, some kettle pop that I had gotten from the farmer's market. I was always walking around with snacks from the farmer's market that I got for free, mm-hmm. and I just walked up to this group of comedians and was like, does anyone want some kettle pop? And he was just like, kettle pop? I love kettle pop! And he was just, like, being very Robin Williamsy, and then he kind of <laughs> approached me and, like, had, like kind of creepy fingers reaching into my bag and he was like thank you moms thank you for this kettle pop and i was just like what a fun
3: (laughs) wow and this is kettle popcorn right okay i never heard (laughs) it called kettle pop
24: i feel like that was maybe the brand
3: oh (laughs) (laughs) i like is this soda pop brewed in a kettle but kettle (laughs) i always call it kettle corn Mm. but kettle so robin williams and you you bonded and this was what like 15 years ago
24: um, maybe ten, 10.
3: 10, okay. Wow. And I love how he was being Rod, Robin Williamsy, so he did not disappoint.
24: No, doing voices, everything. He was such a fun guy.
3: Did he do the uh, the Mork meter, you know, the sound thing?
24: Oh, I wish. You know, I've <laughs> never really watched much Mork and Mindy, <laughs> but I've been really meaning to check it out.
3: I well, I was in the sixth grade when it was on TV, but it was the biggest thing ever. Oh, man. Nanu Nanu. That's great. That's what he would say. I know. <laughs> Also, where's the beef? I'm going to come up with all these uh, sayings, Clara Peller. Um, <laughs> so, uh, why uh, West Oakland? Um, the cheapest?
24: It was cheap at the time, yeah. Were I you think... by MacArthur Bart? No, I was by West Oakland Bart. Okay, so you were way out there. Yeah, and my, my rent, I think, was like $300. There you go. Um, a room. And then I ended up, well... Not to bring this into a dark thing, <laughs> but I ended up having a house fire. Yikes. And then I moved to San Francisco and I lived in Alamo Square where I found a room that was $400 a
3: month. That's
16: amazing. So I just
24: like really conquered the cheap rooms in the bay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and now back to Los Angeles area? Right. Uh-huh. In Orange County or more? I'm LA?
24: living in Hollywood. Are you? Yeah.
3: So <laughs> ha- have you tried to get into the store or the laugh factory though
24: yeah you know i'm over there i'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to hang out i'm trying to get them to
3: don't they make you work the door though to do that
24: i think so you have to like get in to even work
3: the door but i mm-hmm. i don't know there's there's different routes what about the uh hermosa beach the the comedy magic place
24: You know, uh, I've never even been there. I really Mm -hmm. should go. To be honest, so I've kind of come up in this time when it was like alternative comedy.
15: Right. Was like the the big thing. The
24: alt scene. Now that's not, there's not such a difference anymore between Mm -hmm. the scenes. I feel like it's all kind of like been blended together. The alt
3: scene, it was like the basement of a firehouse.
24: No, we do night. So do yeah. you remember last weekend video? Mm-mm. Uh it was it's in the mission or it was in the mission and they had just like the greatest little theater in the basement and our shows there were just like so magical. I had a weekly show there called the Mission Position. <laughs> and it was just like the best <laughs> time of my life. Like audience audiences like really just let you do whatever and go wherever. It was a neat time.
3: That's okay. funny. That's great. So tell me about you, for an album, is it 45? Is it an hour? How long is your set? Well, I, wait, for Bobcat, it's going to be shorter, right? So
24: Right. So on the 31st, which is my album recording, mm-hmm. and then Bobcat's the rest of that weekend. Okay. Um, come to both. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm doing a 45-minute set for my album recording, and then I'll be doing 25 that weekend for Gold, uh, Gold Weight.
3: So the 31st is probably a Wednesday. Right. Ah, I called it. Right. So well, are you one of
24: those people that you can say a date and then what the day of but, the week? I'm
3: not. But when you said that you were going to headline, I figured yeah. you know, Monday and Tuesday are for like the open micers, and then mm. Wednesday is if somebody is going to do a guest set or something. Right. Yeah. So Wednesday is
24: like you're not famous but we'll let you headline.
3: Wednesday's <laughs> better than Monday or Tuesday. That's true. Yeah. You're almost at Thursday. Well, you all, you will be there. One
24: day away. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> are you going to host or feature?
24: i'm featuring Ooh. yeah for bobcat yeah. so what 20 25 yeah 25 yeah 25 wow. is feature host is
3: 15 um do you ever do the the sack punchline the mattress i do yeah mattress store
24: i do yeah <laughs> and then i take a picture in front of the ceiling mattresses <laughs> See, i'm gonna be a sacramento punchline
3: Posturepedic baby um Do you have, is there like a big roundabout callback or is this just going to be, is it storytelling or is it like Sam Morrell joke, 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 joke?
24: I've got both. Mm. I've got both and it, it flows, it flows.
3: It flows. It's on rails. It's on rails. How long have you been working on this? 45? Um, Three years?
24: Really long time. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, it's, I would say probably the past, these are jokes from about like the past five years. Um, it's like um COVID stuff. It's mm-hmm. just stuff about like my process through the last few years, mm-hmm. you know.
3: But it's not dated. <laughs> it's like, hey, how about McCain?
24: I've got no it's I wouldn't say it's dated, but I gotta record it right now. <laughs>
3: We can't wait anymore. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll have a couple minutes left of the show with Jessica Seeley. If you want to get in, do it now. 1-800-878-PLAY. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byline.
1: That's 800-278-1738.
16: Well, I might as well tell you now. You lot may all be
0: internationals and have won all the domestic honours there are to win under
19: Don Revy. But as far as I'm concerned, the first thing you can do for me is to chuck all your medals and all your caps and all your pots and all your pans into the biggest flipping dustbin you can find because you've never won any of them fairly.
16: You've done it all by bloomin' cheating!
13: Rick Tittle was selected at random from the phone book to host this show.
3: Alright, a couple of minutes left with Jessica Seely. Get to the Punchline on Wednesday the 31st Album Recording I wanted to ask you, what's the college thing, DACA or Yeah, da- yeah. I- did you do that?
24: I never did, but I did do a lot of college shows when I was a little younger. I would like book them through like the women's center there, the LGBT center.
3: Mm-hmm. What what were some of your favorites and not so favorites?
24: You know what my favorite one was was Fargo. I would go to whoa. Yeah, I would go to like MS MSU, I think it was like Minnesota State University, which is actually it's not in Fargo, but I'd stay in Fargo.
3: Wow. Because
24: that's Fargo's like right on the border, but uh-huh. um. They just, like, treated me really well and put me up in the Radisson, and it was always just, like, like people would just really come out.
3: But you get, sometimes these colleges will give you a list, like, no trans, no Jewish, no. No, I
24: I would never do a show that gives me a list.
3: Yeah. To be honest, like, it's
24: just weird. I mean, unless they paid me really well.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever done corporate gigs?
24: I never really, I I think I have, but I can't really remember. I think I did when I lived here, but it Mm -hmm. would just be, like, a 10-minute set. Mm Mm-hmm. I used to do like something like a gig salad thing. It was called gig salad and you could do like random birthday. One of the worst shows I ever did, just full-blown bomb mm-hmm. was like this lady's birthday party in her yard in Santa Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, like even saying like give it up for this person for her birthday is just like silence. I was like, "What's going on?" Fam- wow. Family drama, I don't so know. So it's
3: like a comedian, we don't want you here. Because you get that. So, like, they're ambush shows, right?
24: No, this was like they booked me. No, Like, mm-hmm. it seemed like nobody wanted us there. And I, I was just like, I don't know if someone thought it would be a good idea. And then the whole family was like, this is against our religion. <laughs> I don't know. It was bizarre.
3: Did, would you, like, stand by a birdbath and say, hey, how about Uber? That it sucks. It was painful. I don't even
24: remember. <laughs> I remember there was horses there. I was probably talking about the horses.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, if you want more horse talk, as I said, the punchline <laughs> on the thirty-first uh, for the album recording, Jessica Seeley, S E L E, like Aaron Seeley. Thanks for coming in.
24: Thanks so much for having me.
3: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll see you mañana or Monday, nine a.m. Pacific time.
24: All right. Um,